Take the next step to brand dominance with an investment of only 10 minutes. Only 10 minutes. No matter where you are in the world or what you're doing, 10. this is your next step to a better business and a better brand. Your knowledge and experience is to make your brand the best it can be. It's the 10th Minute Multitask. And here he is, your friend, your host, and the guy you probably just swiped left on. Andrew Young. All right, welcome to the 10 Minute Multitask, and we have uh, a really special guest with us today that I'm very excited uh, to talk with, and we're sitting right here uh, in the Abobo studio. Uh, he's all the way here from Texas, Dr. Michael Burns, one of my uh, college professors at North Dakota State University uh, while I was studying communications. And, you know, I really want to make sure that we get to milk uh, the nine you know, minutes and 50 seconds that we have left, so I want to jump right into it. We'll skip all the dirty details. Uh, Dr. Burns, you uh, you became a doctor uh, uh, by studying uh, communications and, and more specifically, you know, what did you kind of specialize in and study in just yeah. really briefly? So I decided to come back to uh, graduate school to get my PhD because I became fascinated while I was in industry with thinking about why people do what they do and how we can make people do things. Uh, so I decided to study persuasion and specifically storytelling uh, and how storytelling uh, techniques can influence uh, human behavior, human decision making, and uh, attitude towards um, anything that we uh, come in contact with. This is what's really great because we have uh, a lot of listeners that you know are studying different methods of telling stories, yeah. and we're teaching them those different methods, blogs, press releases, uh, company videos, that sort of thing. But with you, right now, we're going to dive deeper uh, into talking about uh, you know, why storytelling exists. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, and I know you have a really, you know, s some interesting background to share, you know, in terms of, you know, its view across the world. So, you know, can you start by telling us just the, the power that storytelling holds, why right. it holds uh, that power? Yeah. So I honestly believe that storytelling is how the world moves, functions, how relationships are formed. Uh, how, why we buy things, why we do things, why we believe things, uh, whether you're looking at the Bible or you're looking at the Quran, whether you're looking at, you know, marketing material, a story is present. And uh, I follow a researcher called Walter Fisher who created the narrative paradigm, and he says that we are homo narens, so we are people, we are creatures of stories. So there's one form of communication that crosses all cultures in all time, and that is storytelling. And so much of what we know about the world is because of stories. So when we think about it, people think, you know, are you a great storyteller? Are you a good storyteller? Do stories matter? And absolutely they do. Uh, and the better storyteller you are, I honestly believe the better communicator you are. So maybe, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much about this, but, you know, really quickly, what makes a good storyteller? Yeah. So really what happens with most stories is what's interesting, it doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter what you know, where you're from. You can tell a good story and a good storyteller when you see one, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need a PhD like I have to do that. Well, you are a good storyteller. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, but what we need to look for is what we call narrative probability and narrative fidelity. And narrative probability is just simply that the story makes sense. Do, do the characters do what they should be doing? Do, does it all line up? Can you 
follow the story. You know, that kind of basic understanding when you write a story, a beginning, a middle, and end, the characters do what they're supposed to do. Right. But really, the most important element um, besides that, because that's kind of obvious, and we learn that from the, you know, even when we start writing even, um, is narrative fidelity. And the simplest way to describe that is what rings true with the listener or the viewer. And the idea of what rings true, this idea of fidelity, is does it, in simple terms, give you the feels? Do you connect mm -hmm. with it? Do you see yourself in that story? Can you transport yourself in that story and envision yourself being a part of it, understanding it? And that's why certain songs, when you listen um, to the radio mm -hmm. or your favorite mm -hmm. artist, might really hit you in a way that was unexpected. And, mm -hmm. it, and a lot of that has to do with the context and the story that's going on in your life as well, but that's creating fidelity for you in that manner. One thing that I, that I like that you talk about is, you know, stories uh, create the brand of a person that we are. Yeah. The, the, uh, what people know about us is the stories that we tell. And you, you connect that to, to brands, to companies, to, mm -hmm. to teams, uh, that they can think that way as well. Right. Do you want to give us some insight there? Yeah. So I believe that a lot of what we focus on from a personal standpoint, interpersonal relationships can actually be brought into the organizational standpoint, into the corporate world or nonprofit world, whatever organization. When I'm saying organization, that's what I mean, where you work, basically. Uh, a lot of what we know about relationships can be transported there. And I think we're at a point in our history where storytelling and relationships have never been more important. Mm -hmm. And the way that you can successfully build relationships is through stories, but also creating your own stories with other people. So when you put that into the context of a company or into an organization or working with clients, you're doing the same thing. You're helping share their story, but you're also sharing your story to make one story, right? They come together and you want that story to be told in a positive way. So whether it's something really formal as advertising or something like that, or it's something informal where you're going to tell so-and-so when you're at happy hour about this organization that that client of yours or that employee or that customer is actually telling the story you want them to tell. And when you break it down to something so simple as that, whether you are training your brand new employee who is going to be on the front lines, you know, checking you out at the supermarket to being the corporate you know, communication director or CEO of that same grocery store, for example, right? Those people should tell the same stories. And when those story, when that story is not told properly, and when there's not a shared vision and a shared um, specific instances, or you know, if you think about how stories are set up, like funny tales or uh, myths, things like that, when they don't line up, your organization's not lining up. Your people aren't lining up. Then that means your organization's not going to do well, and there's going to be a breakdown in communication. So we're definitely going to have you back because I can, you know, already, uh, you know, see six to 10 to 20 more podcasts out of, you know, everything that you're talking about. And I don't want you to spend a lot of time on this, this, this next, uh, kind of topic. Cause I really do think that it could be something really okay. important to, 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 to the people listening. And I want to spend more time on it. Uh, and we can later, but you know, there's, you're probably listening right now thinking, yep, my brand, my company, we need to be, mm -hmm. we need to be storytellers. You know, we need to do this. This guy's already convinced us in you know less than seven minutes. You know, where where do you begin? How do you, and I know you talked a little a little bit about it, but for 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 the small business owner, for the yep. for the marketing department, where do you begin becoming a storyteller? You yeah. talked about shared vision. You talked about different concepts, uh, but you know, how do you start? You know, what's interesting is uh, I do a lot of consulting work with especially startups and different companies or companies that are kind of gaining success. And when I talk to them. I take all of their employees, especially with the smaller company, and ask them, what does your company do? Why do you do this? What do you value? What does your company value? 
And it's amazing how different the answers are. Mm -hmm. And when you have all of that and you bring everyone in a room and you try to look to see what the overlaps are and why there are differentiations, you need to you know, see that. Um, and that's how that story forms, right? So you look for where the overlaps are and that's a good place to start, right? Those type of ideas. But then oftentimes you gotta start from scratch building the relationship with your group first if there are no overlaps to create that story. A story has to start somewhere and has to start with the leader and what the value and the outcome you're gaining is. So we have less than, uh, we have about two and a half minutes left. And I, I tease the audience by telling them that you're a good storyteller. So we're going to take the last 30 seconds and you're going to tell us a story. So okay. get, prepare your mind for that now. But before, uh, I do want to talk about, uh, you talked about, you know, going down on, on the totem pole ladder or whatever you want to call it uh, and talking to the employees about what they think of the, the company. And if I remember your, your work correctly at NDSU, uh, there's going to be stories that trend and there's going to be some stories that don't trend that are very powerful. Yeah. And I forget what you called them. Can you talk about that? It was it the, the black rabbit, the black the, squirrel, the black squirrel. Yeah. So w what you're getting at here is this idea that what makes your organization quirky that fits, right? What it'll make it memorable. So for example, with NDSU, when I was doing that research, um, I looked at a lot of other universities, and there was one university in particular, Kent State, where it kept coming up over and over again from their students that the black fat squirrels were so cute in this, <laughs> and that is what they started to focus on. And people told stories about these black squirrels. People remembered Kent State because of the black squirrels. Their admissions uh, stand, uh, uh, visits went up. People wanted to know. And even people I interviewed at NDSU, they started looking at Kent State like, maybe I should transfer, which is complete opposite of what the admission office wanted. <sighs> but that black squirrel story, what makes you, you, you unique, your organization, your company, you unique that no one else has? And if it, find your black squirrel. I think that's a great a great way to, to end you know this this particular podcast is find your black squirrel, and I think that can be a great yeah. uh, spot for somewhere to start. What's your niche? Tell the story. So we have. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you more. What? If the last thirty seconds, Burns. Give yeah. us give us a good story. This is pressure. I understand. It is. I'm going to give you the story <laughs> that my students usually respond to most, and this is my Michael Phelps story. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, I was at the 2008 Olympics working with uh, the Today Show, and I did. Uh, send people out all over Beijing to be ready for Michael Phelps after he won his eighth gold medal. I had all of my vans out. Everyone's ready to go. Some intern's going to get Michael Phelps, the most sought out person in the did world. Did he let you run your hand down his stomach? No. Oh, he, he did, did not. not. Okay, sure. He did not. Sure. Uh, however, the phone rang. He was not in any of those spots. And the only person left to pick up Michael Phelps was me, the guy in charge. And I felt badly because I got all these interns' hopes up. And I pick him up. Keep going. We're finishing it out. I pick him up, <laughs> get him in the car. We're going. And my phone rings, and I'm like, who is calling me? Pick it up. Don't recognize the number. It's blocked. I'm in China. And it was President Bush. And he said, I, this is President Bush. I understand you are with Michael Phelps. And uh, this is Michael Burns with The Today Show, correct? I said, yes, it is. <laughs> and I was kind of panicked trying to stay calm. And I turned That's to why Michael. you moved to Texas. Yes, right. <laughs> I turned to Michael Phelps in the back of the van and just said, it's for you. It's the president. <laughs> and he talked for a long time on my phone. Uh, handed it back to me, hung up. And then later that day, I saw CNN said, 
George W. Bush calls Michael Phelps to congratulate him. And that headline in the story was all about that. And I know it didn't say on my phone, but I knew it was. <laughs> and I screenshotted that. And I look at that every time I'm feeling You bad. better have that. So really, a sour day. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, you know, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, Dr. Burns. Thanks for you know, Burns, you know, yeah, yeah, we appreciate you coming. Uh, if, if you want to hear more, visit teamabovo.com. And, and stay tuned uh, for more episodes of the 10-Minute Multitask. Thanks. 